0: I'm excited about this morning. I hope that you are as well. Jerome is, uh, he's over in Arizona. He's enjoying uh, a little bit of time. Uh, he's got a baby on the way and uh, he left his wife behind though, which I didn't, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't quite understand that part of it all, but uh, he's, he's over there. So Isaac, thank you for filling in for us this morning. And uh, you know, I, I am I'm excited to, uh, to start today, which is even, even funnier, uh, the fact that Jerome left this weekend. On the weekend, I'm going to be talking about why it's important to go to church. So, um, yeah, I, I told him he couldn't miss next weekend as we talk about why we worship, since he's kind of our worship leader. And so uh, he chose this weekend instead to, to do that. But I am, once again, excited about today. And, um, you know, we have spent the last year and a half going chronologically through the Gospels. And we, we met up at Easter, and we hit, Why Easter?, What's the importance of Easter? And obviously that wraps up a little bit of the chronological Gospels, the fact that Jesus came, he lived, and he died, and he resurrected. But a lot of people think that's where it stopped at. Actually, today is still part of our chronological Gospels because Jesus came back and he talked with his disciples. And as he talked with his disciples, he gave us the reason and the answer for why church. And that's what we're talking about today. Let me ask you a question. Why did you come this morning? I don't need you to actually answer it out loud, but why? Why? Because I because <laughs> I don't want to hear the answer. Some for some, but um, you know, in all honesty, why? Why did you get up this morning? Why did you go to church? When? How many of you have been asked? Maybe even by yourself. Why do I have to go to church today? Maybe your kids have asked it. Maybe you've asked it. Maybe you sat um, as a kid asking that. I remember being a kid. Um, I grew up in in the Catholic Church, and my parents got divorced. And when they got divorced, my mom married a a Baptist guy, and kind of we were at the Catholic Church. It was a Christmas, Easter only kind of thing, so I could do that. Um, but uh, as as it got a little bit further into it, it was the the Baptist. They met every Sunday. I didn't I didn't realize that. And not only did they meet every Sunday, they met every Wednesday and every Tuesday and every Sunday night. And so I was like, what? That's right, yeah, exactly, yeah. Preach brother, here we go. Help me, help me. Um, the, uh, it, was, it was insane how often we went to church, and, and I would tell you what, I had one day a week, because I played sports and did all those kind of things, I had one day a week that I got to sleep in, and that was Sunday morning. That was taken from me. And so when my grandfather would come in, he'd be all dressed, and I'd still be in bed, he'd be like, get up, and be like, why do I have to go to church? His answer was, because I said so. That was good enough then, because my grandfather was an intimidating man, and he would have, he would have made sure that uh, if I didn't get out of bed, he would still take me out of bed, probably by my hair or whatever it was. At that time, I had some. But there's a, there's a, there's a reality. We, we have this thinking of, of, why go to church? And, and we debate with ourselves. I, I didn't want to go, because like I said, it was my one morning to sleep in. I had to dress up. I only owned like two pairs of corduroys. That was it. That was my dress pants. I'm not sure if you ever wore corduroys in Phoenix. They're, they're, they don't breathe well, and they zip when you walk. Those two things, they, they don't play well um, as you're a junior higher trying to impress the ladies kind of thing. That, that that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. I didn't really like that part. And like I said, we went to church so many times, it's like, why do I have to go on Sunday morning? We have youth group activity on Sunday night, so I'll go then. Can I just go then? It wasn't good enough. You had to be there all the time. And so it, it, was, it had kind of a bitter taste a little bit in my mouth of why I had to go to church. And as I got older, because I said so wasn't good enough. And I know lots of kids that went to church. I was I started in youth ministry in 1997, as crazy as that is. And in 1997, I started full-time and, and trying to get kids to come to church. It was easy in junior high because the Because I Said So worked. But when they got to high school, the Because I Said So doesn't work so much anymore. It's about having jobs. It's about having a life. It's about saying, it's really boring. I don't like it. And I'll tell you what. A lot of people say, you know, you run church differently than most people do, and it's because I grew up in a boring church, and, and I look back and go, it wasn't that bad, but when I was a kid, it was bad. I could tell you how many ceiling tiles were in the church that I went to, because I'd be like, Whoa, oh yeah, that one's new, that one's got a new water stain, and I wonder if the janitor knows that, you know, that was the kind of thing that I would, I would pay attention to. I've told you before, there was a guy, we sat in like this U-shaped kind of congregation, I don't understand how it was set up, but we had chairs that faced in, chairs down the middle, and chairs in the back, and there was a guy that would sit right here, and we'd always sit in the back, because we were good Baptists, and we would sit over here, and there was a guy, I've told you this before, he would actually be able to lick his own nostrils, and he would do that during the service, and that was completely and totally entertaining to me, I'd be like, wow, that's awesome, you know, and that's what I was excited about, to go to church, to be able to see that guy do it, as I wipe my own, you know, there's a, there's there's A lot about why we go to church. What's the point? Why do we want to be in there? And the because I said so as you get older doesn't work anymore. What is it? What is it that that makes us want to be a part of the church? Makes us say to our friends, hey, I'm going to church this weekend. And they say, why? They remember those days. They remember the because I said so. And they're like, you're an adult now. You don't have to go because you said so. Why do you want to go? What answer do you give to that? What answer do you give as you say, I get to go to church. Is it because it's just what we do, or is it because of something more? Today I'd like to read three passages. One of them is from Matthew 22 before Jesus is uh, taken up on the cross and is raised from the dead. One is after he comes back, and then one is kind of the result of all of that and the culmination of these chronological gospels. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would love for you to open up to Matthew chapter 22. And in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 37, Jesus talks about... One of the big reasons of why church. As a matter of fact, all three of these passages wrap up the why church. And the funny thing is, if you're new with us, I'm so glad you're with us. And maybe you've heard me talk about this, uh, those of you who aren't new with us, um, that we're, we're starting this why series. And as we start this why series, what we're doing is we're just asking and trying to answer the question of why we do what we do. Because for so long, like I said, I started going to church when I was in junior high, and and I did everything because that was what we do. I didn't understand baptism. I just got baptized. I didn't understand communion. I just took communion. I didn't understand why we serve. I just did it. It was just because that's what everybody else did, and that's what my grandfather wanted me to do. And so that was kind of the, the reason why I did it, and it just continued on. I would really like to take a look at why we do what we do. And as we look at why church today... You're going to see some other questions that come up on why we do different things, and those are the ones we're going to a- answer in the following weeks. So as we look at why church, I would love for you, first of all, to look at a, a passage we looked at just a couple of weeks ago. As a matter of fact, at Valentine's Day area it was about love. Why church, Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 37, it says this. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As you let that soak in and think about why church, I now want to move to the, the, what's called the great commission, where Jesus comes back to talk to his disciples to give them a challenge to go. You saw it on that video there before we started. But this is it, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. It says, and Jesus came to him and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the response of the church to that is seen in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we see in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has come upon and to indwell the followers of Christ. And as that happens, this is their response. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, reading through verse 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And, And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes and receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As I read these passages, I I think, why church? Why church? Even as I read that passage from the book of Acts, does the church look like that today? If we were to write a description for 2,000 years ago, would it come anything close to what that was when it was first started? Would we say those things and the numbers were added to us day by day, those who were being saved? You know, I say, why do we go to church? And a lot of times, attendance is a very big push. Oh, you got to make sure you're in church. you got to make sure you're there. And, and it is a, a big part of it. But there's so much more than just attending. There's so much more than even just being a part of the church. But what is it? What is the overall purpose of the church itself? Why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we sitting in this building that most people think is a farmer's insurance agent building? Why are we here hanging out right now? And we even can say, why are we here? Period. Why were we created? Why are we on this planet? Why are we existing right now? You know what? The answer is actually the same to both questions. The answer is actually the same to both questions. And we're going to look at that with the why church. Why? What is the purpose of it all? What's the purpose of it all? Do you realize that our daily lives, we function by figuring out the purpose of many different objects and how they apply to our life, how we can use them in our life? I'll use this for an example and I can use a few other things here shortly, but as, as we look at it, um, how many of you guys drive? Just raise your hand. I'm Sorry, kids, that you don't. Um, uh, it's probably better that you don't at this point in time, but the, uh, the thinking of driving Most of us in here own a car or are paying for a car. The bank technically owns it. We're just paying them for it at the time being. But some of you, maybe it's paid off, and and you have a car. How many of you have figured out what the purpose of your car is? Why you make that payment or why you made those payments to have that car in your driveway or in your garage, preferably in your garage. That's what a garage is for, not for the $500 worth of junk that you've got crammed where your car should be parked at, but um, it, it... Think about this. Do you understand the purpose of it? Why do you have it? Now, there's sub-purposes. Some are like, well, so I can go really fast. Some people say, well, because it makes me look better. I I wrap my own self-esteem up in it. You know, maybe that's some of the purposes that are minor purposes. But really, all cars, whether you drive a Ford Fiesta or you drive a 15-passenger van, all cars have the same purpose. That is, get you someplace. That's right. Once you figure that out, you're going places. That's it. That that that's the whole idea of a car. Now, when we figure out the purpose of something, we also put value in it. We also put the ability to put it on our priority list when we have value in it. Anybody? Uh, kind of a big hair rock band thing back in the eighties, early nineties. I, I, I'm sorry, um, I wasn't always a Christian, and I. Uh, but uh, there was a song by Cinderella. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Truth about a car, when, you know, when you get in the get in the car in the morning and you're tick 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 tick, you don't realize what an amazing thing your car is until you can't use it. Right? Sometimes when we forget to put the value in a car, we tend to abuse it or neglect it. That abuse or neglect tends to backfire on us, and then we realize what we had. So, when we realize what we have and we put that value in that car, because you don't think about a car until you don't have it anymore, and then you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it happen, you take that value and you make it a priority in your life. So, when you find purpose in something, you put value in it and it becomes a priority where it might be. I'm using a car as an example, but pretty much everything in our life is that way. Even the chair that you're sitting in right now has a purpose. You figured out it is to sit in it. It has value, so you don't have to stand, and you're going to make it a priority to sit because it's a whole lot more comfortable. Everything is that way. Guess what? Everything also includes church. What is the purpose of church? What is the purpose of all that we do? The purpose and the existence of church. You know, we've talked about it before, and and we're going to go into some detail, and like I said, we're going to expand that detail over the next few weeks as we get closer to summer, as we talk about the whys and everything we do. But let me ask you, what's the purpose of church? You know, when I ask you the purpose of a the car, there's all different kind of sub-purposes to it. Some of the sub-purposes of the church is to be able to get together, be able to, to, to hear some good music, uh, hopefully a good sermon, and be able to walk out and feel better about our lives. I mean, that's kind of a sub-purpose of church. Um, when you look at it, you say, I, I want to be able to have a, a better avenue to God. I want to be able to have a better connection with God. That's a great purpose in it all. But sometimes we even take that to the point and say, well, as long as I put in the time necessary or I put in the money necessary, God's kind of like a vending machine. And if I put it in enough and I push the right buttons, I'm going to get back out of it what I want. We have some sub-purposes to church, but what is the main purpose to church? What is the main purpose? Where, Where does our mind go? If I were to ask you to define American Christianity and say, what do you think American Christianity is all about? What would you say? Let me give you something that Francis Chan said in his book called Crazy Love. We went through it a few years back uh, as a small group. But I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree with this. The goal of American Christianity, he says, is often a nice marriage, children that don't swear, and good church attendance. Taking the words of Christ literally and seriously is rarely considered. Most of us want a balanced life that we can control, that is safe and doesn't involve suffering. We say... I want to give, I just don't want to give in a way that impacts my lifestyle. I'm fine with sacrificing my time as long as it doesn't get in the way of my agenda. I want to trust God with all aspects of my life, but I still desire to control all the outcomes. Agree or disagree? Unfortunately, I agree. I agree because that's really what it is. We want God to kind of shape us here, but we want to be able to control over here. We want all of these different things. We have to understand something about church and the purpose of church and all the things that we listed, those sub that are there. Really, when it boils right down to it, I've said it a thousand times and I'll say a thousand one. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about God. His word tells us that this church is supposed to be all about him. It's all about him. So the purpose of the church, what is it? Well, let's define church. Maybe that will help us kind of wrap up what the purpose is and why we come. The word church actually means a, a called out one. It actually means an assembly. It doesn't say anything about a building. It doesn't say anything about a meeting space. As a matter of fact, that comes from the Greek word ekklesia, to be a, a called out one that, that Christ called us. The called out ones, that he called us an assembly. It's about people. Ephesians 1 actually talks about this. It says, and God placed all things under his feet, him being Jesus, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. We are Christ's body. That is the church to the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. With defining in church and being called out as the assembly, the question is, is what's our purpose? I read those passages to you, Acts chapter 2, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 22, to point out that we very much have a purpose that was laid out for us. Acts chapter 22, uh, sorry, chapter 2, shows a, a group of believers coming together as an assembly and working together in a community to do five big things. And in those five big things, we're going to, like I said, talk about over the next couple of weeks, but we're going to touch on them today. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we are called to do, the first thing that we are as a purpose of a church, and I want you to see this, because you're saying, well, I thought the question was, is why do we go to church? Why we go to church and why the church exists, I believe, go hand in hand. So as we look at this, this is the first one. It's worship. It's worship. The first phrase of the great commandment in Matthew chapter 22 is, love the Lord your God with all your heart. How do we do that? How do we do that? We're going to talk about it more, like I said, next week as we get into to why worship. But we're going to touch on it today. And, you know, as we dig into these and as we dive into these, I want to make sure these aren't my words but they're God's words. So let's just, let's just pray that he speaks to us as we look at these purposes and how we can apply them to our lives. Father God, we are thankful and we are grateful. That you sent your son to live on this earth, to die a death that, that we deserved, but to defeat death by by being raised from the grave. And as we look at that and we see him come back and he gives his challenge to his disciples, which we are cl- included in. God, that we are to, to go and make other disciples. God, I pray that you speak to us. That church isn't just A part of an institution, it's not just a building, that it's not just something that we do on occasion, but God, it is something that we dive into headfirst, that we are a part of your body and your work here on this planet. God, speak to us this morning. We pray it in your name. Amen. So how do we do it? How do we love the Lord, our God, with all our heart? How do we love God with everything? Well, the word is worship. See, worship, If you came with uh, a couple weeks ago, we did our night of worship before we did our, our, our Be the Church Sunday. And in that night of worship, I just said, you know, I think the word worship might be one of the most misunderstood and misused words in the English language, especially within the church. Because a lot of times we just associate worship being the songs, the two songs before, the three songs after, however it breaks down. But that's what we assume. That is, that is worship time. You are sitting in the worship service. And we tag it just to, just to a, a part of our life or just even a part of the service of our life. But really in all, it says to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength and all our soul. And when that's saying, that's not saying all just for an hour on Sunday morning or all just for an hour on Saturday night or if I go a little extra long, an hour and 15 minutes. That's not what it's saying. It's all as in all, as in everything. Our whole life is worship. Our whole life. I mean, the worship simply defined is our expression of love for God or something else you know we can replace god the word worship like i said is overused but we kind of have a tendency to do the same thing for sports teams for music bands for our jobs for our spouses for whatever it is it, it might be that we push all of those things if you know me you know i'm a sports guy i'm actually kind of excited to go home and watch the final round of golf most people are like why I can't answer that. Yeah, exactly. Because I can sleep and go, oh, something happened between that nap. That's good. But, um, you know, th- the crazy thing is is, is I, I, I like sports. I, I'm very particular uh, towards sports teams. Very much a Green Bay Packers fan. Very much a Diamondbacks fan who shut out the Dodgers last night. We're supposed to be, we have like a 7% chance of making the playoffs. And, hey, we actually have a winning record right now. And I'm, I'm excited about that because it might be the only time all season that happens. But, I love those things. I love sports. I love cheering for them. I buy the t-shirts. I I wear the hats. I will go to the game and I will cheer loudly for them. I am a big fan. And if you want to talk to me about it, I will talk to you about it. I will talk for hours about it. Would you consider that being worship? Showing love and expression and talking about and being excited about something in particular? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I hopefully I feel the same way about God and his church. I really do love the church. The church has plenty of blemishes. It has plenty of things that, that are wrong with it. But it's made up of, of humans. They're being worked on by God. So I understand that. And I, I love the church. And I love the head of the church. And I will talk to you the same way about Jesus. And I will, oh, I'm not going to wear the t-shirts. I'm not a big Christian t-shirt wearing guy, but everything else about it, I I will devote my time, I will devote my efforts in the same way that I would towards a sports team as I would towards God. It's worship. So the question is, is how do we do it? How do we make that happen? What does it mean for us as a church and our reasoning to go to church? Because once again, the number one purpose for, for the church and the number one purpose for going to church is the same. It is to worship. It is to worship God. It is coming together, and it's not about worshiping out of duty. It's not about getting drug here. Steve and I appreciated your your uh, testimony of having a family that had a drug problem, um, and uh, that drug being you got drugged to that service on Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, and Sunday morning, and Sunday night, and and that was it. You know, but out of duty, you don't you don't want to do that. We worship out of love, a- and we worship because we are expressing our love towards God, and we don't do it. Because we have to. We do it because we want to. We do it in response to what he's already done for us. And as we look at that, we're going to get much deeper into it next week. But I want you to think about this. How do you show somebody that you love them? If you're married, how do you show your spouse that you love them? If you have been on a dating relationship, if you have a mom or a dad, how do you show them that you love them? Is it all one way? Is there one way to do it? Because if you're only doing one way, we need to talk about your counseling and, and kind of work through your marriage maybe a little bit, or that relationship, because when you're doing it just one way, it's going to get old, it's going to get this is this it, nobody's going to expect anything different, and it's it's going to become stale. So when we look at worship, why do we look at worship as only one way, showing our love towards God in only one way? See, just like we have different love languages to express towards somebody else, well, we have the same thing towards God. We have so many different ways that we can show love. And we're going to talk about that more, like I said, next week. because. It doesn't matter if we're gathered together singing with a thousand people or we're sitting by ourselves and we're reading and we're con- conversing with God. That is worship. Worship is more than just a song. Like I said, we're going to dig into it more next week. So I'll move on to number two. Number two reason is this. Is to connect. To connect. Our, our theme for 2015 is to connect. connect with God, connect with others, connect with our community, to be connected Because isn't that really what it's all about? Look what uh, verse 19 says of Matthew chapter 28. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice the word baptizing. And the first thing we think of of baptizing is getting dunked, right? And that kind of the, the, the immediate picture that comes into our mind of, of maybe a, a, a baby baptism that you might see in a Catholic church where they put water over, or, or a, a full immersion baptism where you go down and we've had our, our things where we've done it at the, at the pool and, and had a great time with that and celebrated that. What is the point of baptism? Why baptize? Well, that's a great question. We're going to answer that in a couple of weeks as well. But you just said, well, I thought you said it was to connect. Why, why are you saying baptize with connect? Well, here's the deal. The purpose of baptism is to be identified as a follower of Christ. It's to be identified as a follower of Christ. Well, when you bring that identity in of being a believer, you are identified within a family. Just like we talked about last week. We talked about the reason why Jesus came was to adopt us into his family. And he went through, came at the right time. He had the right qualifications. He he had the right heart and the right intentions. We talked about all that last week. To bring us into a family. And that family is, is signified. By being followers of His. Well, baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. And as we get baptized, we are brought into a family. We are noticed within the family that we are a follower of Christ. And it's such a huge thing of connecting with others. And why should we connect? Why should that be something that's important? Well, guess what? That's also coming up in a few weeks. And we'll dig into that a little bit deeper as well. But this is something I want you to think about. Because we have a lot of people who listen online, which I, I'm grateful for. But I also want to challenge you, even if they're, they're listening online uh, right now, uh, being connected in a church is a whole lot different than being connected online. Because we're not really building that connection. I know Facebook has kind of thrown us off a little bit of that. Because we have 667 friends on Facebook that we feel like we are connected with, that we stalk, that we try and figure out what's going on in their lives and and those kind of things. And it gives us great ammunition for gossip and all those kind of things like that. But there's not really a connection there. The connection takes place when we are face-to-face, when we're able able to literally physically touch be able to shake hands, be able to give a hug, be able to laugh together, be able to cry together. That's where the connection takes place. And that's important within the church, to be able, one, worship God, and be able to connect with Him, but also be able to connect with others, be able to connect and reach out, be able to share together in a way that technology cannot do. So first, to worship. Second, to connect. Third, to grow. To grow. Verse 20 of Matthew chapter 28 says, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to teach them to observe or to obey, to help one another grow, to be able to to be able to to build together. And it's so funny how many times uh, when I run into somebody at the at the store that hasn't been to church in a while or something like that, it's like they immediately forget that I'm a person. And then I just want to say hi and they think they have to give me whatever excuse it is or they completely avoid me. One or the other. But in the process of them making the excuses, oh hey, oh, so sorry that I haven't made it. And I'm like, "You know, I I didn't even ask. You know, I, I I I don't have the checklist in my back pocket going, oh, yeah, your church attendance is not so good. You know, that's not that's not what I do. I don't even do it in, in my head. I, I'll write you a card that says, hey, we missed you. You know why I do it? Because we actually missed you. Okay, that that was the that was the reason why. It was part of that connection thing. And I want to make sure people are connected. And that's where I want to be at with it all. So as I look at it and, and I run into those people, and they, they immediately come up with an excuse. And their excuse is generally something along the lines, well, you know, I've been going to church for 30 years, and, you know, I, there's just so much to to do. And I, I, it's, once again, that priority thing. When you figure out the purpose and you, you put value into it, it makes it higher on the priority list. Well, they've kind of lost the purpose and they've lost the value. And they say, well, I, I've gone for so long, and, you know, I've heard, I don't know what, 50 messages a year for the last 30 years. That's 1,500 messages. And, you know, because of that, I, I just, I don't think I've, I, I can't even remember all the things that I've heard. So why do I have to go all the time? And I say, you know, this is is kind of it. When you sit down and eat a meal, there's days you're going to sit and eat by yourself. You're going to watch TV and have a bowl of cereal or whatever it might be. You're going to eat by yourself. And there's going to be days that you sit down with a couple of people in your family and, and, and you're able to, somebody might be missing and all that. And, and we might even call that like a, a connection group. This might be your individual Bible study and this might be your connection group. But, but when you're sitting down to eat with that family, you're, you're having a, a meal together. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. And, and then there's, a, there's the times where you're meeting with everybody and you have the entire extended family all together and you're doing all these things all together like this. And you say, well, over the last 30 years, tell me what you ate. Well, I don't know. Tell me what you ate yesterday. The reason why I remember what you ate yesterday is because it's in your fridge today, and you're like, should I eat that? It's kind of like uh, yesterday I pulled out a tray of deviled eggs from Easter, which is six days, and I'm like, surely. Six days, yeah. So I took a bite and went, surely not. So um, I'm glad I'm here this morning. Let's just put it that way. But um, the, the, the whole thing is, is, as we look at it, we, we don't remember everything, but every meal along the way was nourishing, and you were fed, and it helped bring you along. So the same thing happens with individual Bible study or individual devotion time, as well as small group, connection group times, as well as times when you're together with the whole family. It's it's not about always, hey, that had to be the most inspiring thing that I'm gonna remember forever, because guess what? There's a lot of things I don't remember, and I'm the one preaching it, and sometimes I'm preaching three, four times a weekend, so that fact in itself, I should remember, right? It should be pounded into my brain, but I don't always, but the time is, is that I have had an opportunity to eat. I've had an opportunity to be fed. I've had an opportunity to be nourished. So in that excuse, it's about growth. It's about being fed. It's about growing stronger. Because as we eat, we grow stronger. As a matter of fact, listen to what Ephesians 4 talks about here. This is what it says. And if you're a a guy that wants to join us on Friday mornings at 6 o'clock, we're actually going to be doing this passage this week. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, to equip The saints. Who are the saints? All of us. All of us are saints. The believers in Jesus are all saints. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, by the, uh, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitfulness. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to what? Grow up. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. What's the point of the church? It's to grow up and work together and be a part of everything. And, you know, it's a give and take. We are growing. We are helping others grow. And we're supposed to be teaching all that he has commanded. And it's kind of crazy because you... You think about that passage just a little bit, and we say, why do we go to church? Well, as we're working together, and as we're reaching together, and we see that Christ is the head of the church, and we are the body, and we are working together, some people say, well, I'm not that important part of the body, so it doesn't matter if I'm really there. Let me just give you a quick little illustration on how important every part of the body is. The older I get, the more I realize that every part of our body has a purpose, and you figure out that it has a purpose when you lose it. I was playing with the youth in here the other night, and actually it wasn't even the other night, it was like three weeks ago, and we're playing some sort of dodgeball game, and I thought that I'm still back in 1997, and I'm not, and as I realized that, and as I took this dodgeball, and I slapped it, and my shoulder went, <laughs> and I went, oh, oh dear, that's not good, and my arm kind of was numb a little bit, and it just kind of walks, and it was like, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm all right. Three weeks later, I'm still not all right. I'm just going to be honest with you. And you know what I realize the purpose of my shoulder is? Is when that tinge of pain shoots down my arm and I go, oh, that's right. I forgot I hurt that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know, that is that is the response we have. I'll give you another illustration because you're like, well, that's your arm. You know, that's pretty big deal. Your pinky toe. Most of us don't think about our pinky toes, okay? However, my kids, for whatever reason, were doing dictionary work in the middle of the floor and they decide to leave their dictionary there well dictionaries are not small books and they're sitting right there and i'm not thinking there's a dictionary in the middle of the floor and i go walking and i go and i took a step back and kind of went oh no and i looked down and i didn't have socks on and my toe was like that and fat and purple like that and i went i forgot i had a pinky toe now i remember Why? Because it's not functioning properly. Every time I take a step, I'm doing the, hey, how you doing? Hey, yeah, and that still hurts just a little bit. Why do we need to go to church? Because we need to function together as a body. And when you're gone and when somebody's not doing their part, it's going to be obvious. It's going to be noticeable. That's why he says it's for us to equip the works of ministry to all the saints. It's not about just a couple of people doing the things and everybody else just being here. It's about us working together. And as a matter of fact, that leads us to number four, which is to serve. Serve. The purpose of the church is to serve. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine 39 says, love your neighbor. As yourself. Ephesians 4 says it's a leader's job to equip all the saints, all the believers in works of ministry. How many of you guys know what the golden rule is? Do unto others as you'd have done unto you. How many of you think that's in the Bible? It is. It's is Matthew 7, 12, just in case you're wondering. Um, but the, the, the whole thing is, is that we are supposed to do what we want done to us. We're supposed to serve our neighbors. Jesus actually talks about it first. I put it number four, but really it's kind of number two. It goes from love the Lord you God with all your heart and love others. Love God, love others. That's it. That's the purpose of the church, to love God, to love others. That's our purpose, to love God, love others. Why do we go to church? Because we love God and we love others here. We're here to serve. And why do we do it? Because Jesus first loved us. Because Jesus first loved served us it's our active worship it's one of the ways that we can do it is to serve and I'm not uh, I'm not saying that you have to do everything but what God has called you to do you need to do where God has you to be able to fit in Th- then do that. Work and serve in that area. You'll see on the back of your bulletins today, there's a couple different areas for service. We have preschool teachers. We have uh, nursery teachers. We have youth that, since I can't use my arm anymore, uh, we, we need them. Uh, we have all different areas. And there's even some coordinator positions that are on there because our, our preschool coordinator who's done such a great job ha- has stepped down and uh, has it basically set up through May, but we need somebody to kind of fill in there. Um, we need a summer events coordinator. I know that sounds like a crazy thing, but I am not a detailed person. I have to make to-do lists, and then I never follow them anyway. But I, I do my best to try and stay on track with things. But we need somebody who can say, hey, yeah, we're going to call up the ice topes, We're going to set up tickets. We're going to set up a date. We're going to set up all those kind of things. We're going to do things so once again we can connect. So once again we can have those things. And that might be your area. God has made us different in each different area. That's why not everybody's an arm. Not everybody's a pinky toe. You know, everybody's got their own thing they're supposed to do, and we're supposed to serve in that. And we serve in reaching out and love to those that are around us and here and serve and reach out to those that are out there. Everywhere is what we're supposed to do. It's like a relationship, too. Don't feel obligated to do it. Because if you feel obligated to serve your spouse or uh, serve your friends or whatever it might be, guess what? Your relationship isn't going to be very good. But if we do it out of love, it changes everything. It changes everything. And it's not a response of, well, it's not my job. It's a response of, how can I best serve where God's called me to be at? Once again, we'll be doing that here shortly. Why serve? So we're not going to get into too much more details. Why church? Why do I get to go to church? Why do I have to go to church? And it all falls really within the purpose of the church, does it not? I have to go. I get to go. Because I get to worship God. I get to connect with others. I get to grow together. And I get to serve. Well, also, I get to reach. I get to reach, and that's number five. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. therefore go and make disciples. You realize how big this is? Making disciples? Why disciple? We're going to talk about that on Mother's Day. You know why I tied it in with Mother's Day as we talked about it? Because isn't that what parents do? Aren't parents bringing their kids along? The, the basic definition of a disciple is to be a student or a follower of a teacher. That's, that's the very basic definition. Now, obviously, a, a disciple of Christ is a student or follower of Christ. But isn't everything we do a discipleship opportunity? Guys, I told you that, that I love sports. All of my kids, both biological and adopted, are Packers fans. Okay? <laughs> that's just the reality of the matter. I have taken time. I have warped their brains. Um, the, the thing is, is it, that is what discipleship is. It's, it's a teaching opportunity. Most people don't even know this, but Christy used to be a Cowboys fan. I know. She was actually born in Dallas. She wore the number 11 all through high school because she wanted to be Danny White. Some of you don't even know who that is, even though you're Cowboys fans. But he went to Arizona State. That's the reason why I know that, who he is. But the thing is, I met her, and I led her to the Lord and she is now saved from the cowboy's sin. And, and so, so, but is that not discipleship? Is that not bringing somebody along? Isn't that changing somebody from what they used to be, a sinner, to a Packers fan? You know, Isn't that what it's all about? I mean, there's some reality in all of that as you think about it. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Every opportunity that we have to meet somebody, isn't that a discipleship opportunity? Isn't that for them to be able to see, be able to hear, and experience what God has done in your life? Because God's brought in some major changes to you, and you are being changed for the better for Him because of it. Shouldn't every opportunity, whether or not you're dragging somebody to church or you're just sitting down and having a normal conversation, you don't even have to throw Jesus, you don't have to throw the Jesus juke in there and make everybody go, what? What, Where'd that even come from? It's just a simple conversation about what's going on in your life. And some people are going to say, man, you're different. Something's different about you. Well, guess what? As we continue to grow, as we continue to change, as we continue to connect, as we continue to worship, God's going to change us. There's going to be things in our life where we're going to say, you know what, I really don't need that anymore because I'm different. Because God's changing my heart and changing my mind towards those kind of things. Most of you have known me for a a, a good portion of time. Some of you, from the day that I moved to New Mexico, lost, and I'm sitting here staring at you guys, you were some of the first people I met when I moved here. Am I different than I was 13 years ago? Oh, what? You're not supposed to say no. (laughs) Okay, I'll use Jerome since that illustration just bombed. Um, The... uh, Jerome has been here now for four years, which is just kind of mind-blowing to me. I didn't realize that he's been a part of, of Paragon for four years. We're only five years old. I didn't realize he'd come that way. But when he first came, you know, he was, he was a band guy. He, he still is a band guy, but he led worship from a, a band perspective. And he has changed He has changed the way that he leads. He has changed the way that he's leading us in worship into the throne of God to be able to come into his presence. And it's it's an amazing thing to see have happened over the last four years. It wasn't anything that said, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. It's just the way that God has worked in him. And I think every single one of us can say, when I met Jesus, I was here. And now I'm here. And a lot of it wasn't programmed change. It wasn't a steps of to-do list. It was just the way that God works and He's changing us into who we want to be. I'm sorry, and who He wants us to be. And that is discipleship. It's our job to communicate it in more than just words, but in our actions and even in our reactions. That is discipleship. And why discipleship on Mother's Day? Because it's about bringing people along, just like a mother brings kids along. And it starts right now. Every contact you have with someone is a discipleship opportunity. You may have walked in here with the hopes that I would answer the question, why do I have to go to church? And I hope I actually answered a different question for you. Why you get to go to church. Why you get to go to church, to worship God as you connect with others, to grow in the gospel and aid in the growth of others, and to serve and love in here and out there and be discipled and make disciples. Isn't that an amazing thing? But isn't the sad fact of the matter that in America, church is really kind of frowned upon? You know, I think about countries all over the world that, that are ruled by communism and and strict governments and, and Muslim, ISIS kind of thing like that. And there's people that are meeting in church because they get to. Because they want to worship God. And they want to connect with others. And they want to grow. And they want to serve. And they want to be disciples And they want to disciple others. And yet their lives are on the line. And our best excuse is because I want to sleep in. That's the reason why I don't want to go. You know, that that's kind of where we're at in it all. You know, it's funny uh the other the other night Christy got to go out um with the Down Syndrome Network. And there's a there's a network that that they do different things to help out parents with with kids with Down Syndrome and and uh she went and um it was a mom's night out, so no kids were there. So they met at Turtle Mountain, which I thought was was pretty funny and it's a it's not a group of of Christians. And so I just told Christian like, "Hey, you know, you're Going to Turtle Mountain, pretty good chance there's going to be alcohol flowing. And so don't be overly surprised by it. And don't be awkward that you're the only one that probably won't have one. And sure enough, that was the case. And they they all sat around. They all talked. And they were were having a good conversation. And somehow the conversation came up. The topic was why I hate Baptist churches. I'm like, how did it get to that? (laughs) And, of course, Christy didn't mention word one that she's a minister's wife. She didn't let any of that. And there's, there's a handful of ladies that are sitting around the table uh, that, that are part of different churches. There's some part of the Catholic Church. There's some part of the Calvary. There's Actually, there, I really laughed because she said, yeah, everybody was kind of bagging on him except me, obviously. And I'm like, well, that's good. Appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, and um, she was, she said, yeah, one of them was from Sagebrush. I'm like, did they even realize that Sagebrush is a Southern Baptist church? Apparently not. So um they're they're kind of going and they're kind of ripping the, the Baptist church and so on and so forth. And I said, Well, well what was it that really made it? What was the big deal? And it was about rules. Well all Baptist churches are all about rules. And of course we get lumped into uh, th- there are some very legalistic Baptist churches, but there's some very legalistic Catholic churches, and there's some very legalistic Calvary churches. You know, it it, it kind of depends on that. But even in that I understand that the idea of rules and how some people don't like them. But even as as a parent, I'm not going to be rule free because I love my kids and I want them to actually survive. So if my kids came and said, you know what we should do? We should play Frogger on Northern. Doesn't that sound like fun? I would say, no, that doesn't. Oh, you're all about the rules, dad. You know, that would not be that would not be it at all. But yet we approach church that way. What are the rules in place for? You know, there's some that have gone overboard, but as we look at it, isn't it really about, isn't it really about the love of the Father wanting to give us guidance and direction and for us to grow in Him? And it's easy for us to get twisted and kind of tweaked in, in all of that. And a lot of people on the outside say, you know what, we're we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time being a part of a church. It's just a crutch. You know, I, I've, um, a lot of times I'll, I'll Google the opposite of what I'm talking about to get the skeptics perspective and kind of get blogs and stuff like that. And I actually found a website this week that actually said from fundamentalism to skepticism. And I said, I typed in, why do people go to church? The negative parts of it all. And it was a whole blog on why people shouldn't go to church and how, you know, the church has let people down. And there was a guy that had commented on it and said, I went to a church with a pastor with one arm. And, you know, if God was real, we should have went up there and prayed for that pastor and his arm would have grown back. And I went, that would have been awesome. (laughs) But that's not the way that God works. We have to understand what it's really all about. And we get twisted in what church is all about. We think it's just an archaic institution. With an archaic book that's an archaic list of rules that we shouldn't have to follow because we've evolved so much into, into these amazing beings. And and we think this in, in some way, and that that God is, is distant or God doesn't exist in the first place. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something, even as we close, that the church is the body of Christ. And it is made up of God's called-out ones. Not a building, but God's called out ones that have a word that is found here in the Bible, that is alive and as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. And in that, it is a guide for our lives because we have a Father who loves us and He wants us to reach out to people who need to see that love. That is church. And we meet together with that church, with that body of called out ones, to worship God and to connect with Him and connect with others. And remember that Jesus came And he died, and he rose again for us. You know, I almost got up this morning and said, Happy Easter, everybody, but I knew some of you might be like, Wait a second, was it? Is it? Did I, you know, I I didn't want to mess with your minds in that way. But shouldn't every day we wake up be a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Every day. Not just one day every year, every day. Because he resurrected from the dead so that we could live. And that is something we can celebrate every moment of our lives. And we can take that into the world in word and in action and share that with them. That's why the church, that's why it's important that you're here. That's why it's important that we gather together. I want to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to open up an opportunity. I've never known what to call this room over here. But somebody told me this morning, one of the little girls said, hey, there's muffins over in the snack room. So we're going to call it the snack room today. And um, as, as, we, as we pray, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to step down and have the band come up. I'm going to invite you to come over. Maybe you've got more questions. Maybe I didn't answer them all. Maybe you've got some, some real issues with, with who Jesus is even. Because really, as the church, we are his body. And you're thinking, well, what's that even mean? I would love to answer those questions or at least get started in a conversation towards that. I would love to introduce you to who Jesus is. If you've never met him before, if you've never put your trust in him and become a follower of his, because that's what the church is. It is the called out ones, the assembly that is his followers. I'm going to step over here into the snack room and pray with you about that, be able to discuss with you about that. So I'm going to pray now. I'm going to ask the band to come. And as they play, I'm going to step over there. So let's pray. God, we are so grateful, so very grateful that you sent your son for us. So very grateful that, that God, that you loved us so much that you'd be willing to sacrifice Jesus. That when we try and quantify our worth, and sometimes we aim really, really low, we understand that we are worth one Jesus to you. As we look at that, I I pray for anybody in here that's struggling with that, that's struggling on why the church might be at all important in their life. Why? As a purpose, and they value it, that they would put it high in their priority list. But God, God, and simple is because you loved us, and we want to, in turn, worship you with our all. Whether that be outside, whether that be inside. But even as we're inside, we connect, and we grow, and we serve, and then we disciple. God, help us in that process that even if we walked in here today with the attitude of, I really don't want to be here, that God, you've changed our hearts in this time that we got to meet together. We pray it all in your name. Amen.